Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The days of sending an entire classroom home because one person tests positive, those days are over. How did the FBI justify raiding Malargo and spending nine hours in the president's house? The fentanyl. Enough to kill six times the population of the United States. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a new week, a new Monday. Lots to talk about. You know, the theme seems to be, once again, that if you're a Democrat, you can do whatever you please to do. No ramifications. You just make up the law and the rules as you go along. And if what you do happens to go against even the Supreme Court of the United States, that's okay because you're a progressive. You know better. New York's new gun control law will take effect in two weeks. The law turns New York into a giant gun-free zone, but it also requires an in-person interview with law enforcement and the sharing of all social media accounts in order to obtain obtain a gun license. (laughs) Your social media accounts? Now, I understand that perhaps those could reveal you having some uh, different opinions, but could it also reveal that if you supported Donald Trump, you don't qualify in what is obviously a very liberal state? By requiring that gun license applicants have, quote, good moral character, New York is still acting in defiance of June's Supreme Court decision, just this June. New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus Bruin. In a new court filing last week, New York Attorney General Letitia James claims that without these requirements, there would be an entirely predictable chaos. Democrats and gun control proponents have voiced similar fears in the other six states affected by the Supreme Court's decision. Clarence Thomas's opinion in Bruin stress the importance of objective standards for gun permits, ones that don't require, quote, the exercise of judgment and the formation of opinion. He also noted that there is no historical basis for New York to effectively declare the island of Manhattan a sensitive place simply because it is crowded and protected generally by the New York City Police Department. New York's default position is that all private property is off-limits to lawful concealed carry unless the property owner notes, quote, by clear and conspicuous signage that guns are welcome. So it used to be that if you didn't want guns, you had to post no no guns allowed. But now if you don't post that guns are allowed, you can't carry your concealed weapon with you. So basically, any time you walk onto a private property, If there's no sign, apparently, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. If there's no sign, you can't carry your gun. There is no chaos coming our way. Since 1976, 18 states have eliminated subjective proper cause requirements, which require convincing a government bureaucrat of one's need for a permit in favor of right-to-carry policies. In these and other states, concealed handgun permits holders uh, holders, have proved extremely law-abiding, No right-to-carry state has ever held a legislative hearing to consider moving back 
a proper cause requirement. Over time, states have also eliminated their gun-free zones as they have seen predictions of disasters not occurring. Some people would just never be convinced that regular Americans can be trusted with firearms. That's the bottom line. The liberal Barney Fife's of the world want the power. They don't want you to have it. Ultimately, they want to be able to control you. I mean, and listen, when when you see these 87,000 IRS agents, many of whom are going to be armed. And listen, I, I'm not making this up. The IRS, you've seen it all over the, the media. The IRS is buying up ammunition and arms and they're advertising for these new agents. Be prepared to use your guns. They want Americans to be defenseless. When they come at you with guns demanding that you capitulate, they don't want anybody firing back. I am not promoting vigilantism here, okay? I'm just saying they want you de-armed. With 21.5 million permit holders and laws in place for many decades, Breyer's scenario, let let me back up a little bit. Uh, Stephen Breyer speculated, quote, people of good moral character who start drinking a lot and who may be there for a football game or some kind of soccer game can get pretty angry at each other. And if they have a concealed weapon, who knows? So that's Stephen Breyer's logic in his dissenting opinion. So are we going to outlaw knives? Can't carry a pocket knife in your pocket. It's concealed. Could be a weapon. With 21.5 million permit holders and laws in place for many decades, Breyer's scenario should have played out at least once. But there isn't a single recorded incident like it. In Florida and Texas, permit holders are convicted of firearms-related violations at one-twelfth the rate of police officers. (laughs) That pretty much... So police officers are convicted more of firearm violations than proper legal permit holders are in Florida and Texas, two of the largest states in the nation. The average revocation rate is 0.1% in the 19 in the 19 states with comprehensive data. Usually permit revocations occur because someone moved, died, or forgot to bring a permit while carrying. Concealed carry comes with an extensive crime-fighting benefit. Academics have published 52 peer-review empirical studies on concealed carry. Of these, 25 found that allowing people to carry reduces violent crime, and 15 found no significant effect. Twelve studies observed increased violent crime after adopting concealed carry, but those are only in studies that Justice Breyer cited after he, uh, in his descending opinion, and they all suffer to varying degrees from systematic error. They overwhelmingly focus on the last 20 years and compare states that recently passed concealed carry laws with more lenient states that had passed concealed carry laws before that and sustained a much larger growth in permits over the past two decades. The finding that crime rose relatively in the latter states that issued comparatively few permits is consistent with permit holders reducing crime. In other words, the the more you are giving concealed carry permits to law-abiding citizens. The more generous you are to law-abiding citizens with these permits, the more crime goes down. Why? (laughs) Because crime is being stopped. 
listen, if people, do you think the bad guy is going to come attack you if you if he knows that you are armed? And the more people that are armed, uh, that's why crime drops. That I, again, responsible citizens who know how to use their arms, who 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 are responsible, you're going to see violent crime drop. And the studies say that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. Now, they are happy. I mean, isn't it interesting? When the Supreme Court had Roe v. Wade, we heard from liberals over and over and over again, you have to obey this. The law is settled. The Supreme Court has decided. And now we have Dobbs. And now we have... uh, the majority opinion that New York is now going against when it comes to concealed carry? Quite frankly, I I think Clarence Thomas would have probably proposed open carry. Ought to be legal across the country. But this Letitia James, the, the same woman who has really tried to undermine Donald Trump every chance she gets... She's basically saying, screw the Supreme Court. I don't give a hoot what they say. We're going to make it difficult for American citizens that live in the state of New York to defend themselves. Just that simple. So that's the example in New York. That's the example of going against the United States Supreme Court. We have an example right here in our listening area, Enfield, North Carolina. WITN is reporting the State Bureau of Investigation is looking into the destruction of a Confederate monument in Enfield, in their town park. Mayor Mondale Robinson posted on his Facebook account a video of a front loader pushing over the monument that had stood in the park since 1928. Last Monday, town commissioners voted to have the monument removed, not destroyed, removed. The newly elected mayor said by tearing down the monument Sunday night, He was saving the town money in the long run. Quote, not in my town, not on my watch, the mayor was heard saying as the marble monument came down. An SBI spokeswoman told WITN News this afternoon that their investigation began at the request of the police chief and the district attorney. The 10-foot-high monument with a Confederate flag carved in the middle was erected by the United Daughters of the Confederacy, according to UNC Chapel Hill. In later years, additions to honor vets of other wars were added, including World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, and the Persian Gulf War. So this wasn't just a monument to the Confederacy. Now, that might have been the original monument. Obviously, as, it, as history was being unfolded over the decades, it w- the, things were added to this monument to honor all vets from Enfield, North Carolina, from Eastern North Carolina, who served in the war between the states, who served in World War I, who served in World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, and the Persian War. Enfield Mayor Mondale Robinson posted on his Facebook an account of a video of a front loader pushing over a Confederate monument. Crime scene tape now surrounds the monument, Robinson said. Since it was a gift to the town, he feels they are well within their legal rights to have the monument removed. So you get to decide, huh? Now listen, you can have a debate all you want. And if the town commissioners wanted to move, remove 
move the monument, that's a whole different discussion. But for an individual who had a peeve against this monument to take it upon himself, whether, look, I mean, he's saying he's, he's there as an advocate for little black children, that they don't have to rally around a monument that has a Confederate flag on it. You can have that debate, but you cannot take the law into your own hands. You cannot promote vigilantism is what this is. That I, can, I am allowed to do what I darn well please, and it doesn't matter what the law says. We talked about this last week with the head of the North Carolina Republican Party, Michael Watley. We are living in anarchy. We're saying we don't give a hoot what the law says. We're going to do what we darn well please. This is anarchy. I mean, for the longest time, I said we're on the bridge of anarchy. We are in anarchy. When you have people that say, shoot the bird at the law, saying, well, I will do what I please, it doesn't matter. The United States Supreme Court, apparently, in Letitia James' eyes, has no clout. They have no authority over the state of New York. We're living in anarchy. How bad will it get? Only time will tell. Listen, Letitia, if people like this mayor... And infield, and people say, oh, come on, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. You have the right to take the law into your own hands and brag about it? And for Letitia James to, to basically say, well, we don't care what the Supreme Court says. We're going to do what we think is right. We're going to do what is right in our own eyes. <laughs> what is the... Uh, uh, Kings talks about this in the Bible. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What happened? There was all kinds of anarchy. And that's exactly what is happening in our country right now. Unbelievable. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Monday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. the show that really makes you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 taking a quick look at your weather forecast considerable cloudiness tonight a chance of thunderstorms late a chance of rain tonight is 40 percent low of around 71 Mostly cloudy skies tomorrow morning. A stray thunderstorm is possible with a high of 87 in the afternoon. Tomorrow night, mainly cloudy, low around 70. Wednesday, again, cloudy skies. Again, a chance of uh, a thunderstorm, a high of 88 and uh, a low of 69 come Wednesday night. So uh, the rain continues to uh, come in uh, splits and splats. So, uh, boy, we had a heavy, heavy thunderstorm. It didn't last too long last night, but... uh, was around uh, 5.30, came through uh, Greenville rather strongly. Uh, interesting story on Fox News. Critics took aim at progressive activist Nina Turner after she took to social media to claim taxpayers wouldn't be on the hook for a proposed plan to forgive federal student loans. Quote, tell me you don't know where the federal government gets its money from without saying 
you don't know where the federal gun money, <laughs> the federal government gets its money from. Conservative commentator Tim Young said in response to Turner's post Sunday, Young took issue with Turner's argument that forgiving student loans wouldn't hurt taxpayers, reasoning that it would be, quote, costlier not to forgive the debts. Hmm. FYI, student debt cancellation isn't paid for by the taxpayers. The federal government is the lender, Turner said on Twitter on Sunday. It's costlier for the government to hold the debt. But critics were quick to question Turner's logic, her IQ. <laughs> Listen, I mean, now is this uh, a Turner gal, uh, Nita Turner, Apparently, she is a state senator from Ohio um, who has got her aspirations to be the next uh, Al Sharpton, female version of Al Sharpton. Or uh, maybe she wants to be that uh, gal from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. The, uh, the bottom line is, is she this stupid or does she wa- is she deliberately lying to her constituents? that uh, forgiving this debt is a good idea. I mean, we're t- you're teaching irresponsibility, but also bankrupting the country, which obviously is what the Democrats want to do. Again, one of my pet peeves is, and you, you hear it at all levels of elected officials, people going around talking about how stupid these liberals are. That, that oh, that, I mean, the assumption is these progressives want to help America, but their ideas are just wrong. That these progressives are just ignorant on what the proper way to overcome America's problems are. And if they just got more guidance from Republicans, they, no. Now, now, there might be a few of them in that category. There'll be a few naive idiots. And maybe Nina Turner is one of those naive idiots. But Progressive, by and large, is they're doing what they want to do. They don't want to help America. They don't want America to be energy independent. They don't want America to be solvent. I mean, truly, their desire is to undermine America, totally cripple America, just say, look, the system isn't working. We've tried it. It isn't working. We need to go straight communism, straight Marxism. I know communism is... You know, that term sounds like it's from the 1950s or something, but it's Marxist. They want us to be a Marxist country where you'll have oligarchs, a handful of at the top, who will be only too happy to be in control. And you'll find them making money hand over fist. And we've got examples of that today. I've got examples in my pile of stories today. Speaking of which, let's go to one, shall we? The um, this is out of uh, the Washington Free Beacon. Ron Wyden, the senator from Oregon. The you'd recognize him. He sort of looks like Skeletor, and uh, speaks with a rather strong lisp. When the Paycheck Protection Program was first being brought out under the Trump administration, which looking, it was a mistake. I mean, obviously now we know it was a mistake. And listen, I understand there were certain people that were saved by it. There were certain people that followed the rules and uh, certain jobs that were saved. I understand that. 
So maybe it wasn't uh, totally bad, but now that we see the abuses, Ron Wyden, senator from Oregon, early in the pandemic, he came out and said, listen, wealthy business owners could abuse the Paycheck Protection Program. Well, guess who abused the protection program? Payroll protection, paycheck protection. His wife, Nancy Bass Wyden, multimillionaire owner of the New York Strand Bookstore. She received $2.7 million in paycheck protection program loans between 2020 and 2021. Nonetheless, she went on to lay off 180 employees. Now, remember the deal. You could get this Paycheck Protection Program funds. They gave you X number of dollars per employee as long as you didn't fire that employee. She took the money, laid off 180. Small businesses, again, were eligible for the federally forgiven loans on the condition they use the majority of those funds to keep employees on the payroll. In October 2020, she told CBS News that the Strand would not rehire many of those employees and that the store would have to give back part of the loan due to the forgiveness rules. So she admitted that in 2020. But as of September of last year, September of 2021, the federal government had forgiven both loans, according to ProPublica. The Small Business Administration declined to comment on, on the Strand and did not respond to the Washington Free Beacon's request for comments on the loans. The Paycheck Protection Program came under fire in 2020 for shelling out millions to billionaire real estate investors. Other family members of Democrats also got in line for handouts, including the multimillionaire father of the then-candidate John Ossoff down in Atlanta, who scored as much as a million dollars from the program, businesses like the Strand were able to line their pockets, lay off dozens of workers, according to the Washington Free Beacon, without rehiring them, as long as 60% of the money went to payroll expenses. But the deal was you had to keep those people on. She didn't. So Wyden, who was totally critical of this payroll deal under Donald Trump, her wife... His wife comes out more than $2 million ahead, doesn't repay it, isn't fined, nothing happens. She's forgiven, forgiven, you can have it. That, she's not the only one. Some companies owned by wealthy celebrities that receive millions from the Paytech, Paycheck Protection Program. The Good American Gene Company, celebrity influencer Khloe Kardashian, Net worth estimated at fifty million received one point two five million in PPP money, according to ProPublica. The loan and interest have been forgiven. The health food company TB twelve, owned by NFL quarterback Tom Brady, whose individual net worth is estimated at roughly two hundred and fifty million, had nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars forgiven. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, her husband, Paul Pelosi, has an 8.1 share of the restaurant business EDI Associates, according to the Daily Mail. Financial disclosures now show the California couple has a net worth of $43 million to $200 million. 
I will do anything. For another buck, you will. <laughs> that didn't, uh, that, I, <laughs> well, she's a prostitute in the sense of the word. <laughs> Edie, Good morning. <laughs> How would you like to wake up to her every morning? Good oh, morning. Oh, oh. <laughs> Please don't play that again. It just is a bad picture on my mind. EDI Associates took out two loans worth over $1.7 million. They were forgiven both loans, including interest. Millions in dollars. I mean, this is uh, the people that should not even have qualified in the first place. I mean, the, the idea behind these dollars, for, I mean, and, and again, it's really interesting to see how these programs are always abused. Good intention programs. And the biggest abusers oftentimes are the progressives. I'm not saying they're the only abusers, but quite frankly, this program should have been for people who obviously were barely making it as a business and were going to go under they had no financial recourse. They would have gone under had it not been for these PPP loans. But people with that are have a, a net worth of $200 million and they're looking for a PPP loan of $1 or $2 million and they say they're told they don't have to pay it back even though they didn't follow the rules. And yet at the same time, uh, he was, he was the guy that was in the Trump administration just last uh, Friday was, uh, found guilty of, of tax fraud and he was dragged into court. I mean, and, and Donald Trump himself being accused by uh, Letitia James and others of improprieties. Why is it that these people, the, the progressives and some of these celebrities, they get a wink and a nod. Oh yeah, do what you want. We don't care. Go ahead and keep the money. You don't have to pay it back. Ms. Wyden, you don't have to pay it back. I mean, after all, your husband, Ron Wyden, he's a good liberal. He's a big progressive. Yeah, you don't worry about it. We'll go after Donald Trump. But you, you don't worry about it. Can't make it up. All right, we're going to take another time out. Anthony Fauci says he's out of here. Can't wait. Don't let the door hit you. And we'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So Dr. Anthony Fauci announced today that he'll step down from his post as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That is the big red flag. Well, there's a big red flag that is going up. Um, Republicans are saying, well, this is curious. So, uh, Anthony, Anthony is, uh, telling it out of, uh, his current position right about the same time that Republicans will be taking over. So he's saying at the end of this year, he's gone. Well, just a week into next year, Republicans will more than likely control the house and the Senate. And I know you're seeing all kinds. I've got some numbers out today. Look, 
don't I don't want to sound overly optimistic because I want people to go out and vote. But I am not buying into these sudden revelations that oh the Democrats are back. Oh, everybody loves Joe now. It ain't happening. I mean, Joe gets a slight uptick because uh, he's got a sympathy vote because people are feeling bad for him because he fell off his bike. Listen, it's it's no coincidence. I mean, I've I now the guy's old. I recognize that. But the timing of it with him leaving just about the time that the Republicans are going to start holding hearings, no coincidence. Speaking of uh where people are and how people are feeling about the uh political landscape. Interesting uh poll by NBC a number of outlets are reporting on it. The media's narrative in recent days, again, is that Biden is on a winning streak. Democrats have helped themselves by so-calling uh, passing the uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act. You know, isn't it interesting when they wanted to get it passed, they called it the Inflation Reduction Act. Now that it is passed, they're rebranding it as the Climate Change Bill. <laughs> Why? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Uh, they knew the climate change bill didn't have a snowball's chance of passing. So they, I, why don't you name it uh, the all-American, uh, you know, apple pie and baseball and we love grandma bill. Interestingly, though, the American people are not buying it, whether you call it Inflation Reduction Act or the Climate Change Bill. By a nine-point margin, Americans are more inclined to say the new law will make their lives worse than better, and a plurality believe it won't make any difference. NBC poll, 71% of Americans believe the Inflation Reduction Act will either make things worse or not make them any different. So go out and poll 100 people. 71 of them will either say, this is going to make my life worse, or it's not going to make any difference. I wouldn't say that's a real optimistic outlook if the Democrats are depending on their Inflation Reduction Act, which we know it's not going to work. Nothing the Democrats do ever works. That's not exactly a rallying cry for come vote for us this November. Despite Democrats becoming more engaged in the election cycle than they were in the spring, Republicans maintain a small intensity advantage and the generic ballot has moved two points net in their favor. In other words, the Democrats, while they're saying everything is going well for us, it's going in our direction, the reality is the Republicans have seen in the generic ballot a two-point gain. This right out of the recent NBC generic ballot poll. August 2022, GOP 47%, Democrats 45%. Now, here's the deal. Remember, I said this last Friday, and it still is true. Uh, and it will be true now through November. Traditionally, when things are tied up, the generic ballot gives the Democrats a five-point lead. That means things are actually tied up. I mean, historically, that's what the numbers have proven. So the, the GOP right now has got a two-point advantage. 
Let's look back for a few elections. These are midterm elections. August 2018, Democrats had a eight-point lead in the generic ballot. Democrats 50, GOP 42. The actual results, Democrats won by eight points. September 2014, GOP 45% in the generic ballot. Democrats had a 43% in the generic ballot. The actual result, again, the, the, the numbers look like in September of 2014, a two-point advantage for the GOP. Actual result, a six-point advantage when it came to Election Day. The next previous midterm, August 2010, GOP 43%, Democrats 43%. The actual result, Republicans won by seven percentage points. So th- these numbers, uh, I would not, uh, if you're a Democrat, I wouldn't be jumping up and down too much. Hovering over the entire NBC poll is a deep dissatisfaction from the American public. Three quarters of the voters, 74%, say the country is headed in the wrong direction, representing the fifth straight NBC News survey showing this number in the 70s. Additionally, 58% believe America's best days are behind it. How sad, but how true which is the highest percentage on this question dating back to 1990. Another 68% of voters thinks the United States is currently in an economic recession. McInturf, the GOP pollster, agrees that the environment has improved for the Democrats since the earlier part of the year, but he argues that the main fundamentals, the president's job rating, the nation's direction, are breaking against the party. America is singing the blues, and that's bad news for the blue team in November, McIntoff said. Uh, yeah, I, I would not be. Listen, I, I, you know, you've heard me say this before. I really think that uh, our country and uh, most of the Western world is in uh, such a decline and it's a spiritual battle. I, I mean, I really sin- sincerely believe it. Until people get their hearts and minds right with the Lord, I just don't see things going in the right direction. And I mean, we can elect all kinds of, of good people. But the truth of the matter is that uh, the morals of our people, was it uh, Adams, who, and uh, I think Adams and Franklin both said, you know, we're, we, we're, this republic is here if you can keep it, and it is made for a good and moral people. And w- right now, America is not a good and moral people. Uh, we need to get our hearts right with the Lord if, uh, if, this, if this country is. And I, I mean this sincerely, and I pray for it all the time. Pray for another great awakening where people's hearts and minds will be open to uh, the good news of Christ. We're going to take another time out when we get back. Uh, Liz Cheney, you make me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. I mean it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. The Wall Street Journal put out an editorial today saying that um, Ms. Cheney's concession speech suggests her mission in politics now is to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. Yes, agree with that part. One option is running for the White House herself. The Wall Street Journal admits she'd have little chance of uh, winning. (laughs) Go ahead and put that up on the full picture. That's a classic. If you're watching on Facebook or are we on Facebook or, or, or on social media or on Cable 7, that's hilarious. I don't know where Clark found that, but uh, <laughs> Donald Trump with Lizzie, Liz, Lizzie Cheney. You make me dizzy, Mrs. Lizzie, working in a uh, McDonald's pass-through. Um, anyway, 
the Wall Street Journal is making a big deal about if Liz Cheney runs for the White House, they know she's not going to win, but she could be a spoiler. They point to the fact that, um, was it 1992, that uh, Ross Perot arguably cost George H.W. Bush the White House in 1992. Here's, and if she runs, that she would gain enough as an independent uh, or a third-party candidate of some sort, that she would gain enough votes taken away from Trump that it would allow the Democrat to get in the White House. Uh, and I understand how they've come about that thinking, but as, as bad as Liz is, as far left as Liz is, her bigger problem, and, and the reason why I would say that there's at least one problem with this Wall Street Journal opinion piece scenario is if the Dems run Biden or Harris – in 2024, I think Liz Cheney will take away votes from them. She's so far to the left and she's so anti-Republican Party, she'd take away votes for them. To my point, over the weekend, she was on with um, ABC, uh, Jonathan, uh, Carl, Jonathan Carl on uh, their Sunday show, and uh, he was asking her about her wanting to make sure Donald Trump, any any uh, election deniers don't get into the White House. Here's a part of that interview. For you, you're starting this political organization. Can you tell us, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to be very focused on working to ensure that we do everything we can um, not to elect election deniers. And I'm going to work against those people. I'm going to work to support their opponents. I think it matters that much. Will you be getting involved in campaigns against those Republican candidates that are denying the results of the election? Yes. Including your Republican colleagues here in Congress? Yes. So, so you said you're going to work against election deniers. If it's not Trump, and if it's, if it's somebody like Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, these are all people that have tied themselves very closely uh, to Trump, could you see yourself supporting any of them? Uh, it would be very difficult when you look at somebody like Josh Hawley or somebody like Ted Cruz, both of whom know better, both of whom know exactly what the role of Congress is in terms of our constitutional obligations with respect to presidential elections, and yet both of whom took steps that fundamentally threatened um, the, the constitutional order and structure in the aftermath of the last election. So, you know, in, in my view, they, they both uh, have made themselves unfit for future office. What about DeSantis? DeSantis is somebody who is right now campaigning for election deniers. And I think that is something that, that I think people have got to have real pause about. You know, either you fundamentally believe in and will support uh, our constitutional structure or you don't. So you've said that you're going to think about running for president. Would you be running to send a message or would you be running to win? No, look, you run for president because you believe you would be the best the best candidate because you believe you'd be the best president of the United States. And, and so any decision that I make uh, about doing something that significant and that serious would be with the intention of winning and because I think I would be the best candidate. Nope. <laughs> nope. Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, oh, they know better. Uh, both of them, Josh Hawley especially, uh, they they run circles around you, Liz. I mean, they run circles. You know, both of them, they've made themselves unfit for a future office. But not you, Liz. You're good to go. 
And I, I am so sick of her talking about how she follows the Constitution, but nobody else ever does. Uh, and, and you sit on this kangaroo court of the January 6th committee, make you into something that you're not, not letting Donald Trump have any representation, not allowing Donald Trump to have any attorneys, not allowing any cross-examination of the witnesses, and you continue to brag about how you're just a constitutional person, all living amongst the, the, the warm-hearted constitutionalists who live by principle. What a load of crap. Liz, uh, you, you probably will be working at the drive-thru at McDonald's. Virginia Patton. That name sound familiar? Eh, probably not. She played the part in the movie It's a Wonderful Life. She was the wife of George Bailey's brother. She played the part of Ruth Dakin Bailey in A Wonderful Life. She passed away last Thursday, 97 years old. The uh, One of the other actors in that movie was just a child at the time. She, uh, Carolyn Grimes played the part of Zuzu. She said of... Uh, Virginia Patton, she will always be remembered for her warm hugs, her zest for life, her elegance, and her deep faith in God. Patton was born in Cleveland, Ohio in 1925, raised in Portland, Oregon. She was most famous for appearing in Frank Capra's uh, Capra's, uh, classic 1946 film, It's a Wonderful Life. And um, she is also the niece of uh, World War II General George Patton. She went on to star in additional films, including The Burning Cross and The Black Eagle. Passed away last Thursday in Albany, Georgia, 97 years old. Hey, our thanks uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, Tuesday, like we do every weekday. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.